Hello, and welcome everyone to this episode of The Money Movement. We're talking about DAOs, syndicate DAOs, investment clubs, the future of corporations, on-chain governance, and so much more. I'm really thrilled to have a great duo here, co-founders of Syndicate DAO, who uh, had a big week this week. So we're going to talk about that and talk about their recent launch. And I think I've had a chance to get to know Ian and Will a bit over the past you know year or so, and and further have just found them to be you know some of the brightest minds in thinking about this emergent landscape of how DAOs are configuring how people participate in the crypto economy and in projects and ideas and NFTs and culture and so much more. So it's it's really great to have you guys on. So welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having us, Jeremy. I think. Last time, at least I was on here was with Bology on DAOs probably six months ago at this point. So I think a lot's happened since then. And we're excited to uh, share some of the learnings that we've had since then. Absolutely. Fantastic to be here. Awesome. Maybe just starting at the top a little bit, just talk a little bit about the project and, and the vision you had behind it and how it formed. And like you said, I think last time we were talking, these were clearly uh, uh, ideas that you were thinking about, if not actively working on. And then you know, things have emerged a lot, but maybe just founder story for a few minutes on how Syndicate uh, came to be. Absolutely. So Will and I met when we were working at IDEO's Crypto Lab four years ago, and this was in 2018. So before NFTs really kind of had its resurgence, obviously before DeFi really caught on. And, and what Will and I were studying back then was what were going to be the applications of decentralized social networks in particular. And what we ended up learning in designing a decentralized social network was that the primary application for a decentralized social network was for the purpose of decentralized investing and democratizing the investing model. And Will and I kind of scratched our heads back then in 2018, and we looked at that and we were like, that's really interesting. Like, whoa. But the market's not really, and the infrastructure is not really ready for that. I mean, if you think back to 2018, right, that was just after kind of ICOs in 2017 and well before DeFi. And so we came to the conclusion that the timing of the idea that we had conceived at that point in time was actually too early. There were things that needed to be built before the world was ready for something like that. Now, fast forward you know, four years after kind of all these amazing primitives from DeFi came out in 2019 and 2020, Will and I started looking at some of these primitives and we started realizing that if you took a few of them and you matched them up and then matched them together with the social networking protocol that we had conceived, now we had something that was actually ready for the market. And that is what, you know, led to us working on that again. It ended up evolving and becoming Syndicate, which we then formalized as a company in early 2021. And since forming the company, which you know we went from two people in March of 2021, just me and Will, now we're over 30 people across almost all you know functions of the company. You know, are building DAO infrastructure effectively for Web3 native investing. And the product that we launched earlier this week was the very first kind of product. Uh, that we've launched now in open beta, which are Web3 investment clubs. And we're really excited about that and all of these other products that we currently have in development, which I'm sure we'll get into uh, more deeply. Yeah. 
there's a lot to kind of break down there. And you know, some some of the you know, bigger themes I'm interested in are what is your vision for what you know what DAOs can be and what they can become. And you know, DAOs as investment clubs is is obviously a really powerful idea and and one that I think you're breathing a lot of life into and making solving a lot of the fundamental problems and, and doing that easily and doing that safely and and, and doing that uh, legally uh, as well, which we'll touch on in, in a few minutes. But when you think about what's being built here and these emergent forms of cooperation and coordination of capital, it strikes me that you know th- th- this is sort of a nascent forms of corporations. And there's obviously LLCs, there's different types of corporations. You're obviously, you know, leveraging some of those legal frameworks as well as you think about this. But ultimately, you know, people coming together with a common purpose, with the goal of of creating something or organizing something or building something. I'm interested in from a long-term perspective where you see these building blocks going. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been tracking DAOs for the last half a decade. I invested in the original DAO in 2016, which had great ideas, did not work out the way people expected, but the new ways to organize society are really exciting for DAOs. DAOs in the Ethereum white paper were inspired by a book called Damon by Daniel Suarez. And in Damon and the follow-up book, Freedom, um, it really paints DAOs as these radical tools for a more cooperative society. There's some good ways to apply that. Like, for example, it's a society of radically more ownership by by people and by groups instead of uh, instead of by centralized entities. It's also a society with radically more conflict because the decentralization in that case does lead to um, more tensions and more conflict in society as a result. And I think that DAOs are a tool that's as revolutionary as the corporation, but the world hasn't really caught up to what that means yet. Right now, DAOs are very skeuomorphic. The idea of a DAO is modeled after the idea of a corporation, when in reality, the new cooperative layer provides is completely different. And I think that what we'll see is DAOs will start to get more and more specialized. DAOs will start to bring in more and more experts. DAOs will start to delegate more and more governance to to people who, who have deep backgrounds in an area. But as a result, this decentralization allows the whole to be far greater than the sum of its parts. And that's incredibly exciting. It really is. I mean, I think if you if you go back in in history and you look at kind of political and economic history, you look at even sort of the the birth of Marxism and some of the ideas that emerged around the Industrial Revolution and how does capital get organized, how does labor get organized. There were, I think, huge movements around democratic participation in the workforce. Obviously, that took different shapes in Western society, but I actually my you know was very, very interested for a long time in in some of the you know sort of turn of the century, I guess the last century, um, ideas around syndicalism. And there's a whole school of thought on anarcho-syndicalism that emerged, which was really a vision for um, cooperative, forms of economic organization, but where these syndicates or syndicalists, uh, the syndicalist movement where these kind of could kind of connect to each other in bigger and bigger forms and actually could ultimately help to, to collaborate on organization at a, at, a, at a larger scale, even at a potentially national or global scale. And there were experiments in this um, in, in, in parts of, of Europe, in, in Spain. And 
things took a different turn. The joint stock corporation, capital markets, as we know them, and sort of state capitalism really emerged as, as the primary forms in a lot of places. And it's been interesting to watch. I mean, I think one of the things that's so interesting about crypto is it's really creating new material to work with. And it's sort of leveraging the inherent global connectivity of people everywhere. And, and then it creates this basis for economic coordination and cooperation and you know, institutionalizing it. And I, I mean that in the best of ways, not in the worst of ways. It strikes me that DAOs are, in some ways, um, they can be used for a lot of different things, obviously, right? But but it, it is these sort of these building blocks to higher order forms of, of economic coordination that can take place. And it's happening on a global scale, very, very interesting, without uh, you know, necessarily a, a clear legal framework around it. But because of the assurances that we get from blockchains, it's something that people inherently understand they, they can trust. They can trust this infrastructure for whether it's you know making a decision or or, or moving value or or things like this. So deeply profound and and uh it's cool to hear you you talk about your own tracking on this. And I think it's one of the things that I think I'm, I'm really excited about. And you know, maybe that brings us back to what you guys are building today, which is clearly you're inspired by a lot of ideas. And as I know, as an entrepreneur, right, you could have a long-term vision and there's just a lot to do. And so you have to pick a place to start. So, you know, kind of what, what led you to start with the, the MVP product that just came out? Like, you know, why is that the magic product right now? Why do you believe that that's going to have the product market fit that you uh, you expected to have kind of what, what led you to that as the starting point for executing your vision? That is the big question, which is, you know, not actually so much like where we're going ultimately, which, you know, we, we do have a strong opinion about, but it's like, what is what are the right sequence of things, products, tools, infrastructure that we need to build? And in, in what order? Uh, do we need to build those things to to get to the end, that end state vision? And so the only way that we know how to do that actually is to work with users. And so that's what we've been doing actually through most of 2021 was once we formalized, formally you know, started the company and started building some of the original infrastructure, like the protocols and applications, we started putting it in the hands of different communities, whether they were VC funds, angel investor groups, you know, friend groups that know each other and are buying like NFTs together, or even like DAOs themselves. And we started doing that actually throughout, you know, the middle and, and end of 2021. And we learned a bunch of things from that. Namely that a lot of these like, I guess, applications as it relates to investing DAOs, uh, which is what we are initially focused on, where they want to connect with the real world. And therefore, need like bridges to the traditional world or Web two world. We actually ended up finding that most of those applications and those use cases um, really struggled to kind of like get off the ground. And I I think one of the the learnings from that was that in the same way that like Syndicate couldn't have existed a few years ago because the Web three infrastructure wasn't ready for it. I think that same we think that same thing is true about Web three to Web two bridges. And so as a result of that insight, right, we ended up narrowing our focus and, and sharpening our focus more and more to like really Web3 native investing. And what does that look like? And what, where are the use cases and where are the applications where, you know, they live completely 100% in crypto, they invest via crypto 100% and they distribute in crypto 100%. 
And that led to a few different possible applications. Um, some of those included like community raises and things like, you know, Web3 native SPB vehicles, for example. But the one that our customers and these communities kept on pulling us towards were these effectively group chats that started a DAO between their friends and were investing together in NFT assets, tokens, startups, or even some assets in the real world. And we started seeing this pattern uh, towards the end of the summer of 2021. We then kind of researched that really deeply and realized that investment clubs, as they are known in the traditional world, was actually one of the uh, first kind of mainstream consumer applications, Web3 native consumer applications that would really kind of increase radically access to the core investing tools that we are building to as many people around the world as possible. And that's one of our you know, key missions is to really democratize investing to as many people in as many communities who need it and deserve it the most as possible. Like, you know, uh, really, you know, amazing groups like Komarebi, which focuses on women and non-binary founders and, you know, many, many more groups like that. So once we came to that realization, we basically focused 100% of the company on building our protocol and the application to support Web3 investment clubs. And that is the product that we've been refining with a number, like over a dozen uh, customers in private beta over the last number of months. We then got that to a place where we were ready to launch that in open beta. And between kind of the private beta and what we launched this week is that we you know, added a number of features based on customer feedback that they wanted to really do two things, make those Web3 investment clubs as capable as possible in the Web3 world. And to the extent that they needed bridges to Web2, we found kind of the key things that they needed and wanted to give them as much kind of ability to, to maintain compliance and also develop or have a peace of mind with respect to how they're operating this thing as it relates to like regulations, uh, particularly in the US. And so that's what we've been focused on building before publicly launching and making it available to you know anyone, basically. Yeah, I want to dig in. I mean, I think it's, it's so interesting the the concept of kind of bridging from Web 2 to Web 3 or, or whatever the right metaphor is. And we've thought about that a lot. Even USDC itself, right, is, is an example of like, okay, you've got a kind of compliant electronic money system with its rules and regulations and supervision and all this. And how can you take, you know, that and and to quote unquote untether it, no pun intended, and give it imbue it with the capabilities of public chains and all the flexibility that comes with public chains for value exchange transactions, uh, global interoperability, all, all these really, really powerful programmability, et cetera, like these things that, that, are, that are out there and sort of finding that way to create that trusted bridge in a sense. I think that unlocks a lot of value in a lot of spaces, you know, here, whether that's IP that's be tokenized through NFTs or, or, you know, lots and lots of examples, obviously. So, so you're doing that with, in a sense, these particular kinds of, of, let's just call them corporate forms just for a moment. I, I realize that's semantics here, but that are about people coming together to organize, to, to invest together and do that with some common purpose. So let's talk about the, the underlying kind of legal edifice, if you will, 
that makes this possible? Because I think that's a really critical thing. I think a lot of people are like, hey, I'd like to get involved in DAOs. I see this constitution DAO. I, I know, you know, that's a whatever happened to have a lot of hype around it. But there's a lot of these clubs around NFTs, other areas. So people are like, how, how do I do? I mean, some people just are just doing it. And a lot of people are just doing it. But if I'm interested in starting one of these, how, how do I know I'm doing it right? And then maybe that's a great segue into, you know, how do they do it using syndicate, right? Because you, you've, you've really tried to make this as turnkey and, and simple and safe as possible. Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk about the application for syndicate that we've launched, you know, on, on Tuesday. But uh, Will can probably talk about some of the more complex DAOs that we're working with because those sort of structures and, and setups take pretty different approaches, I guess, to kind of our uh, the product that we launched this week. So as it relates to investment clubs, let's look at what's happening today or, or historically, right? It's a group of friends on a Telegram chat, a WhatsApp group, a Discord channel. They tend to know each other well. They may be co-investors together. They may be like angels themselves or founders or creators in the NFT space, right? They invest together already just individually. And you know what we've been finding you know, for quite some time is these groups actually just say, hey, let's invest together. You know, it's just easier that way. We can like streamline things and whatnot. And so um, what's happening or has been historically happening is one of two things. Either they basically set up an, a multi-sig uh, wallet or they just even use one of their own wallets and they just kind of, you know, pool capital together into one of those wallets and they start investing together, which doesn't have much in the way of like, you know, additional tooling that helps them run that kind of uh, pool of capital, you know, more efficiently or, or better, right? The other option is that, you know, they can snap together a bunch of kind of DAO tools that exist out there today and kind of Frankenstein in a way like a DAO for their group chat. But, you know, that's a lot of work. And in some cases, they actually need to like deploy their own code and stuff like that, which is pretty difficult um, for the just you know, average person or just too much work, right? And so what does syndicates investment clubs do? It basically makes that a really simple user experience to the point where it's as easy as starting a group chat. Obviously, I mean, like with Web3, there's a few nuances in terms of deploying or, you know, creating the investing DAO or the Web3 investment club on syndicate, but it's really straightforward. You just interact with our application, the smart contract and you know, the application and the smart contract do all the heavy lifting. And so what it basically does is syndicate transforms any Ethereum wallet, whether a multi-sig or, you know, just a, a ledger or a MetaMask or something like that. It transforms any Ethereum wallet into an investing DAO on syndicate. And so what that means is it adds all of these superpowers, like, for example, managing deposits, an automated cap table, uh, which Bology recently published this post about mirror shares and mirror tables. We've implemented that. So basically when people deposit into an investment club, the smart contract automatically issues mirror shares back and automatically manages a mirror table, uh, i.e. a cap table. And that on-chain cap table can be used downstream for automating distributions in a single transaction, not like sending 90 transactions to all the people in your club. And then in addition to that, you know, we've added a real-time dashboard, the ability to uh, what we call annotate transactions and add metadata 
about like off-chain investments or expenses maybe that the Web3 Investment Club in, incurs. And then as uh, mentioned earlier, right, we very thoughtfully figured out ways to bake into the tool, like key kind of like Web2 tools or Web2 bridges where it helps with, you know, legal maintaining compliance and things like that. So in particular, we worked with uh, Latham Watkins to develop standard templates for investment clubs on Syndicate so people can automatically and very easily generate template documents that people can sign with their Web3 wallet uh, before joining DAO if they want to have that additional kind of legal protections. And then we've also partnered with a, a fintech startup uh, called Doula to enable DAOs on Syndicate to create legal entities, get bank accounts, file taxes, and, and all this stuff if they want that. And so it's really like an end-to-end -end Obviously, we didn't build the whole thing because we're partnering with others, but it is like a Web3 native tool that has where people want it some of the Web2 bridges to you know, ensure that them, their DAO, and their members are adequately protected because that's, you know, that's what we think ne needs to happen for this to go mainstream is that you know, people want that peace of mind. And, and so we want to make sure that we're providing you know, the, the tools necessary yeah. to ensure that people actually know what they're doing and protecting themselves. Yeah. I mean, it's um, super exciting. I, I guess one of the natural kind of following questions is, you know, I think there's lots of analogies to, um, you know, how what I like to call long tail markets, um, you know, on the internet, long tail advertising, long tail content, long tail commerce, you know, these, these multi-sided marketplaces where participants, you know, uh, it just widens the uh, amount of participation on a massive scale. And I think, you know, I think what you're doing has the potential to, to really widen at a massive scale, the people who can intentionally come together to, to, to figure out how to, how to invest when, you know, platforms like YouTube emerged or eventually TikTok or whatever examples you want to use uh, that, that widened participation in, in both creation and curation and other things. It created completely new industries and sort of scaled out opportunities in ways that just were not fathomable, right? Say, and, and today, if you think about like institutional private equity and private capital and so on, you know, it's it's hard to penetrate, right? And it's and it's a fairly, you know, while there is a lot, of, if you look at the total number of venture funds and the amount of, of, of capital investment, it's still like not wide participation. And, you know, talk to me a little bit about what you're excited about, what you're excited about people doing with this. Like, what, what are you imagining people are going to do? And I think there's obviously, you've got your core cohort of, of customers that are launching with you and, 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 you, and you don't know what people are going to do. Um, but, but when you have this level of openness and democratization and access, you know, creativity flows and people just start doing amazing things. What do you, what do you dream of? What do you dream of people being able to do with this? Yeah, absolutely. We're incredibly excited about the potential as more and more people start to use our investment DAOs because they are so much easier, cheaper, and faster to set up that it is truly disruptive compared to the old ways of coordinating capital. One analogy we use a lot is we hope to do to the venture investing industry what YouTube did to for uh, film and media. So totally. all film and television looked a certain way and it had a certain format, and it was very standardized because there were lots of gatekeepers in the distribution, and it was very expensive to produce, and it was very time-consuming to produce. And no one could have predicted what the content on YouTube totally. would look like, and it all came out of lowering the cost, increasing the speed to, to create it, and increasing the distribution. 
So um, we've started to see people use it in really, really interesting ways already. There are people using it for, for example, um, to like do everything from coordinating among friends to buy an NFT to coordinating thousands and thousands and thousands of people to set up not-for-profit organizations that are in the media space, for example, all the way to the more standard kind of investing DAOs that you'd expect to see of, um, for example, like groups putting investments into startups or groups doing joint investments into tokens. I think that the way we see Syndicate as a primitive is that um, at the end of the day, all DAOs are in some capacity investing DAOs because fundamentally every form of finance and every form of holding an asset is in some sense a form of investing as well. So we're really excited about what we're enabling with DAO tooling and just like how DeFi unlocked incredible things by providing a finance by by providing financial composability, DAOs we see in the same way as unlocking organizational composability. So the way the DAOs layer and create like community DAOs, investing DAOs, sub DAOs is yeah. just absolutely mind blowing to watch, and we see it happen in real time. Yeah, I mean, you can totally see how this could just like proliferate incredibly fast um, and the kind of accessibility of this globally is 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 really really profound you know one of the sort of the eye-popping kind of clickbait if it's clickbait but the eye, uh, some of the eye-popping stuff is a DAO is formed to buy a golf course a DAO is formed to you know buy you know purchase this uh you know constitution da, 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 da. and obviously we know a lot about nft focused kind of investment DAOs and things like that how much do you think this is going to get used for bridging to the real world I mean, whatever, real world is the wrong phrase. <laughs> Everywhere, all living in the real world. But but to kind of people coordinating capital to invest in property, to invest in cultural artifacts, to invest in franchises, brands, other, you know, all these sort of things that historically have been, you know, very, very difficult to do at scale. Um, how, how much do you think it gets applied there versus, you know, kind of digital native tokenized assets, whether they be NFTs or, or, or digital tokens that are that are kind of native to, say, protocols on blockchains or, or things like that. Yeah, yeah. I helped run compliance for Constitution DAO and got them through the Sotheby's KYC process to the point where they could um, place a bid. And we also helped City DAO um, incorporate in Wyoming, um, which bought land in Wyoming as yeah. one of the first DAOs to own land. And I think that um, real-world asset purchases are definitely popular right now. And they are important. Um, We're working with a number of DAOs that are seeking to provide more democratized ownership of really important artifacts, whether those are historical documents or um, collectibles or other other items that that are important and hold a lot of sentimental value to people. But as soon as you start to touch those assets, the KYs, the compliance requirements get so immense that it stops a lot of DAOs in their tracks. And the number of people who have experienced buying real-world assets via DAOs is probably a significant percentage of them are on this call right now. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's it's something where there is such a big gap between right. what crypto enables and what the physical world denies yeah. that I think that it will take a while to bridge these things. Yeah. Um, we're working on making this easier, for sure. And we have some incredible structures that we're designing that allow people to do these kinds of purchases easier than ever before. But at the end of the day, yeah. it's still hard to place a bid at Sotheby's or buy land in Wyoming. And right. 
we can only make that process so easy compared to the DeFi or NFT space. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly, like, you're taking away a lot of friction for a whole bunch of things. And in particular, by reducing the friction for the participation in, in you know, natively digital assets, that that's obviously where, where you can get the highest velocity and, and, and growth and activity instead of sort of swimming upstream. But obviously with eye, eye towards that. And YouTube's a great analogy, I think, because you know, entirely new categories were created that didn't exist and that's okay. Right. And, you know, eventually, yeah, I, I have YouTube TV and I watch live, uh, you know, CNBC or whatever it is, you know, on, on, and they repackaged the old and synthesized it and made it all work and everything else. But, but I, I think it's, it's an analogy, I think really works well for long tail, long tail concepts in general, right. That the internet's been so good at. That's super cool. Maybe just shifting a little bit to talk a little bit about the protocol itself you know, what's the app, what's the protocol, and how do you envision other people building apps and services on top of the protocol itself? Yeah, that's fantastic. This is the uh, first time we're mentioning this. So um, so definitely some real alpha leaks here. Thanks <laughs> to your fantastic questions, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, at the core, Syndicate DAOs are composable with the rest of the ecosystem. That's something we care a lot about. Our investing DAOs are ERC-20s. Our community memberships are ERC-721s. And we care a lot about the fact that you can set up on Syndicate DAO and then plug in any governance tool you want, plug in any wallet you want, plug in any other tooling. And likewise, groups can form anywhere they want and then come to Syndicate for help. And many do. As soon as things get more complex, they turn to us because we're experts in anything that's more complex than a crowdfund. And the exciting part about this composability is we've actually been developing out an entire third-party uh, developer architecture, which will allow anyone to customize the DAOs that they launch. So we have done custom work for groups where we've gone from idea to implementation in 24 hours for a new DAO type, thoroughly tested, formally verified, really, really top-notch security practices in under a day because our architecture that we've spent a long time designing has made it so easy to plug in these custom DAO components for how DAOs can for who can mint in a DAO, who can transfer in a DAO, and who can burn in a DAO. We have all of that configurable for third-party developers, so anyone can plug in their own architecture in around 50 lines of code, or fewer. 50 lines of code is like the most complex case. You could do it in 10 if it's something simple. Is that documented and out there today or, or not yet? The, this is the first time we're ever talking about it. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's something that we're working on documenting because we know we can't do it alone. We want to, we've spent a ton of time making it as easy as possible to set up a DAO, no matter the complexity of the use case. And we know that people want lots of customization. So we want to empower any developer to be able to build on top of Syndicate. It's not quite ready yet for external use, mm -hmm. but it will be in the coming months. We'll keep on opening up more and more. Very cool. I mean, one of the things we love to watch with USDC is just, I mean, it's obviously a, a simple interface face right for people to implement it's just incredible to see what developers are doing just with programming all kinds of things on on, on ethereum and, and other chains too like solana we're seeing a lot of really interesting activity but you know i think these building blocks as you said as you were thinking about these ideas a while ago you know sort of certain things needed to exist they needed these preconditions these lego bricks as it were like started to emerge obviously like usdc is probably pretty useful for you guys as something that that can be used and and I'm actually interested in in getting maybe a little bit more of your thoughts on the the broader DAO tooling ecosystem. I, I think it's obviously 
very nascent. I mean, there's some things that have sort of emerged that sort of have de facto usage because they've been tried and true and tested like Gnosis safe or whatever it is. There's a lot of things like that, but it's all really, really new. And now all of a sudden people are realizing how, how significant the scale, the opportunity is. And so there's probably, I don't know how many startup things that are happening. We don't even know about, right. <laughs> that are, or maybe you guys know about everything because you're, you're everywhere, but, but there's a, you know, a, a lot of activity here. What do you think are the hardest problems to solve right now? And, you know, just looking at everything from coordination and voting and governance and treasury management and security and all all these sort of things. What do you think are the big parts of the surface area that are out there that are opportunities for people to to uh, to innovate around? Yeah, yeah. So it's always funny the way crypto moves in cycles. Like we've seen three different eras of DAOs. I don't know if we can really call the first one an era, but the DAO in 2016 was the first the first DAO out there. And it was something that had a very specific purpose of investing together in the Ethereum ecosystem. And it was the first investing DAO. And that didn't work and it fizzled out. But then the 2017 to 2018 DAO cohort was extremely different because a lot of it was heavily developed during the same time DeFi was developing. So in that era, we see Gnosis and Moloch as the two primary primitives. And those are highly generalizable. They can work for basically anything. They're not opinionated. They are super general and super flexible and super composable. And that's really powerful. Just like how DeFi introduced really powerful composable primitives, Gnosis and Moloch did that for the space as well. But what we're starting to see in the 2021 to 2022 wave of DAOs is a return to the vertical specific DAOs that the DAO kicked off in 2016. And Syndicate is laser focused on investing DAOs. That's what we care about. That's what we're focused on. And that's the experience we want to make really, really great. We really respect the work of so many companies in the space. Mirror and Juicebox are doing an excellent job with crowdfunding. They really make it very easy to set up and get started and raise money for anything you'd like. Likewise, Party Down and Coop are doing really great work in collective and collectively buying NFTs, where it's fractionalizing this asset and co-owning it together. And I think that the real opportunities are basically look at a vertical and see if it's easy to do with a DAO. If it's hard to do it with a DAO, that's probably a good business. If you believe DAOs are the future. If DAOs aren't the future, then we're all kind of screwed. But if DAOs are the future, um, then that's a really good opportunity. So we know of groups, for example, Utopia Labs, working on making it easy for DAOs to pay people, because that's a very difficult task when you don't have a standard corporate entity. Um, There's a number of DAOs working on treasury management, because instead of holding a bunch of cash. They're yeah. often holding their native token and they're really desperately looking for USDC um, yeah. to be able to survive just in case there's a downturn, downturn as a rainy day fund. And more and more of these verticals are popping up. You're now starting to see contributor management tools like Coordinate and Station, which are trying to reward contributors in proportion to their work. And you're starting to even see project management tools like Clarity and Wonderverse that are allowing people to coordinate in DAOs better. So if DAOs are the future, yeah, there's going to be an incredible suite of tools ready to support them. Totally. If DAOs are not the future, it was a really fun ride anyway. Yeah, I know where my bet is. <laughs> I, one area I'm I'm pretty interested in, which I think, you know, I actually you know, people often ask me, you know, I talk about, you know, when you have like um, something like USDC and you have programmable dollars on the internet and programmable money and how powerful that is, people have a hard time like, what would that? What, what could I do with that? 
that I can't already do? Like, it's the natural question that, that people ask. And, and I start to rattle off different examples and stuff. And, and, and my general answer is like, we actually have no idea because there's, there's so much creativity that's going to happen. We just can't imagine what you can do with like internet superpowered money and, and programmability. It's just like so, so new. But one of the things that I'm really interested in is essentially like labor market protocols, like protocols that are constructs for labor and work. It seems like a space that would be really, really ripe for innovation. And if you could come up with like really interesting labor, you know, kind of labor and work, you know, kind of protocols that then people could compose and integrate and build on, it would be a natural thing to complement DAOs. And it's, it's really different than just like payroll. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a broader set of constructs in terms of the different forms of relationships that people can have to entities and each other and how to manifest that and mediate that and so on. So anyway, that's just whatever, a little tidbit for anyone listening. But I, I think I'm you know, very, very curious to see, see what, what emerges in this, in this whole, you know, this whole space and, and category. I, I guess um, maybe, maybe last question, which is, you know, just sort of looking out a little bit, you know, your starting point, give me your, your three to five year vision. What do you imagine is happening and what does the world look like and how has this kind of infrastructure changed the way that, you know, economic activity is, is coordinated and, and supported? And actually maybe bridge to an idea that Jeremy, you were just sharing around like labor protocols. You know, one of the things that, that Will and I and, and the team um, had been thinking about in, in kind of the middle of, of 2021 is like, what, what are DAOs actually? as a technology. In the same way that people, I think there's still quite a bit of misunderstanding of what NFTs actually are, or even what DeFi was, which I think people now, you know, grok that. But like DAOs are still very new as a as a technology um, concept. And what we came up with was that DAOs are actually financial social protocols. They are protocols for uh, court, more efficiently coordinating human beings and financial capital on the internet together seamlessly. When you think about it from that perspective, there are so many applications of that. And in that context, actually, like if Syndicate is building infrastructure for web-free native investing, it even made us start to ask the question, what do we mean by investing? Is that actually purely financial capital? Or do we also mean investing people's time, talents, and resources and labor, right? And I think that that's something that we're going, we're, we're already pulling the thread on. And if I were to project out three to five years, whether it's syndicate or other, you know, uh, teams, many of which Will mentioned, I think that's where this technology is ultimately headed, which is, again, coordinating human and financial capital on the internet in, in totally new ways. And because it's, you know, 100x, 1000x more efficient, but also because it's composable, like these DAO communities are composable with one another. And you can now take these effectively uh, social graphs that are being created by a DAOs and the composability of them. Those are going to unlock fundamentally new applications, new experiences, and likely new economies in the next five years that are going to pop up and redefine yeah. kind of you know, the industrial model and, and turn it into something very, very different. So that's something that that I see, at least, um, in the three to five year time frame. Awesome. Will? Yeah, I think that DAOs, the enthusiasm has gotten ahead of the reality right now. Anyone who's run a DAO knows that 
it's the rhetoric around DAOs is that DAOs like are this magical organizing coordinating force and that you add a DAO and like suddenly like so much is handled by a community and you can really like leverage the incredible people around you and build great things together. The reality is completely the opposite. Um, you add a DAO, you've just made your life 10 times harder because now um, instead of having a small group of people doing a very focused thing, you have a large group of people doing very similar yeah. things who are not necessarily coordinating. I was um, very involved in the early days of Loot and there were three different groups working on what they believed was the first game for Loot. Uh, and if they, in a small group, they could combine their efforts and they could build something together. But in a DAO, they don't really know what anyone else is doing. And a lot of the burden shifts to community management and managing governance processes. But what you get in exchange for making your life a whole lot more difficult is a much greater trust and much greater shared cooperation and, in many cases, shared ownership. And essentially what this leads to is you are trading some short-term pain of coordinating people for the long-term gain of having far more supporters in your corner than ever before. If Uber, for example, or Lyft had been able to give equity to their drivers, I think they would look significantly different and they would have made it through the bad times much more easily than the fact that they retained all the ownership for themselves in large part due to the regulations at play um, that were out of their control. And for example, Uber managing driver equity would have made things a lot more difficult for them. It would be really complex to manage a equity allocation to that scale. But what they get is thousands of people who are aligned with their success, where they have a cooperative rather than an oppositional relationship, which most marketplaces end up with an oppositional relationship yeah. between the company and the users of that marketplace. And that long-term benefit is what creates really healthy, sustainable organizations. So while the DAOs right now, I think that um, they're not consciously making that trade. They're focused on the short term and some of the aspects of it won't. They're, they're taking short term pain and they're not getting the long term gain. Mm -hmm. But the long term oriented DAOs, as the space develops more, will have really, really powerful tailwinds behind them. So I think we'll see a DAO bear market over the next like year or so. I think a lot of the DAOs that will not produce meaningful things and will fail to come to fruition. But yeah. The DAOs that survive and the DAOs that make it through will probably last for the next hundred years because the resiliency they get from the shared ownership and cooperation is so much greater than any corporation could get. I think the average time that a company stays in the S&P 500 has dropped dramatically over the past few decades. Um, I don't recall the exact statistic off the top of my head, but it is far, far shorter than people think. I think that DAOs are far more resilient than companies in the long term even if they're far less efficient than companies in the short term. Yeah, I mean, I, I think these are uh, huge experiments in human coordination, capital coordination work, and um, it is such a profound space for creativity. It, it is going to be fascinating to watch. So I'm, you know, again, just really grateful to have you guys on uh, on for this conversation and really excited about your launch this week. Excited to see what people are doing. I'm sure we'll check in. And, uh, you know, congratulations. Thanks, Jeremy. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye.